listening to Impact Insights, a communications podcast by the Impact Agency. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Impact Insights podcast, the first one for 2021. Hello, I'm Nicole Webb. I'm the CEO and I've got Francis Dwyer, um, Impact's General Manager. Hi, Fry. Hello, how are you? 2021. I was going to say Happy New Year, but I think we're bordering on, you can't say that anymore. <laughs> it's too far in. I also think I told you that I did not celebrate a birthday yes last year, and 2020 as uh, did not exist. Mm, mm. We're just going to just wipe that one from the memory, are we? Yeah, which is a really good lead <laughs> into our subject to, for today. It is around um, forgiveness and whether or not brands, uh, celebrities, politicians can be forgiven for any faux pas, indiscretions, immoral behaviour etc etc and 2020 if you were going to misbehave 2020 was the year to misbehave because people were so focused with our online shopping we were um, in watching the news cycle all the time in fact the news cycle was 80 percent was about the pandemic so if there was any indiscretions it was you know pushed down way out of the news cycle if it made it there at all so yeah so I wanted to have a chat today with you about Brands that have probably not done the right thing in the last 12 months, um, should they be forgiven? And a couple of steps on on how to seek forgiveness as well. So, Pride, mm. do you want to start? I think we, I think timely, timely wise, it's mm. uh, talking about the AFL and Collingwood is probably a good place to start. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's one that tips over into 2021, but actually the report that has revealed the systemic racism that is present within that club was um, handed to them, I think it was the 14th of December last year, and perhaps they just needed a little bit of processing time before they shared it more broadly. Um, But one of the things I have to say is watching that press conference when it was um, shared with the media and hearing the president of the club calling it a proud and historic day. It really didn't matter what he said or did after that. Um, the, the choice of language was, you know, misplaced and he's obviously retracted those comments since. Um, but I think it, it's a really interesting um, concept that you touch on um, as we we're chatting ahead of today's podcast around this idea of the bank of goodwill and our willingness to forgive you know, poor choice of language or, um, uh, you know, a, a poor framing of the discussion or, you know, maybe the intent and the pathway and the action, reconciliation action plan of this club, perhaps what they are planning to do next is um, top notch, but there's this legacy of issues and also a controversial figure who has previously been called out for um, racist and, and, um, I guess, um, generalised terminology that he has used uh, as a representative of the club. So this idea of the behaviour that comes before a crisis or a misstep being just as important as how that moment or misstep is managed as well. Yeah, so um, Gladys, um, the Premier of New South Wales, heaps of goodwill right with the way she's handled the pandemic over the last 12 months bloody awesome and I don't know if Queenslanders would would, would uh, agree with us but um certainly us that live in New South Wales are very um 
very happy with how she's handled it. Mm. So does that bank of goodwill through her work with the bushfires and with the pandemic, does that forgive her for, I don't want to talk about the, her relationship with the disgraced MP. I think that's by the by. But don't but, you think even the way you know, that we responded to that in part was uh, was with the frame of reference of she's been rocking up every single day, um, you know, delivering the things that she's promised, sticking to the program of work, um, you know, bringing in additional um, staff members to to improve our contact tracing, et cetera, et cetera, like all of that emergency response stuff. I think that in part that framed how we responded to the scandal of um, her disgraced, you know, former partner, as well as even more recent, um, you know, accusations or, or, or challenges or criticisms of uh, her government and her behaviour. It's all framed by the fact that we're like, yeah, but look at all this stuff that she's done. It's It's been consistent. There is a, as you say, bank of goodwill or, or what we often talk about is this idea of um, do then tell. So h- how have you been acting and performing and responding day to day all the time consistently before that issue occurs that has such a huge impact on how audiences respond initially and um, it, when given subsequent information. So if, if you then come out with your first statement, you can take the wind right out of it straight away if you've got that, that consistent run-up, whereas if you've got, you know, rep- Collingwood being the opposite example, repeatedly ignored um, the complaints of individuals, um, focused your attention on the individual complaining versus the system that they were pointing to, um, made no efforts for any kind of challenging or questioning of existing protocols, of existing behaviours within uh, players, administration, etc. Instead, always looked to the individual and pointing the finger instead of the organisation that wrapped around them. Um, very different and also I think that the fact that this report has come out at a time of um, you know significant sort of um, racial injustice and a a sort of reckoning of racial injustice around the world that's very at the forefront of our minds right now is layering um, the community's response to this I think that if this report had come out five years ago uh, I think it would have been received very differently than it is on this side of you know the enormity of Black Lives Matter movement and everything that has come with that. Yeah, Maguire was so off the mark, wasn't he? So unaware of his really? surroundings, seriously. So how much how much of that goodwill that you have in the bank do you do you think you need to have? So my my, my conversation around um, our New South Wales Premier and the relationship mm-hmm. that she had, but then she went on um, and we've, I don't know if it's called the sports rorts, but there was certainly mm. um, money going to liberal seats um, for sporting, you know, infrastructure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She came out and said that pork barrelling was not illegal. And now this week we've got um, money coming from that government again going to liberal seats in bushfire-affected areas where, you know, the Blue Mountains have come out with, with, with no money. Mm-hmm. You know, $175 million was was given out to these communities. I'm, and I'm not saying that these communities did not deserve the money that they have received. But this pork idea of pork barrelling again within the government, I think it's probably moved a bit away from her personally and moved mm-hmm. on to 
um, the Deputy Premier, John Barrowaro. But does all that goodwill that they created um, and banked during the pandemic, does that still protect them from all of these things that are now happening now, now that we're coming seemingly coming out of the pandemic and opening up government again. Yeah, I think that um, there's a couple of points to consider there. One is that, look, they're going to go into overdraft if they're not careful. <laughs> they're going to be looking for a loan on that goodwill. Um, there's certainly, it's not it's not an endless supply. And the other thing is also um, goodwill doesn't guarantee forgiveness, I think, so much as um, soften um the response and 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 offer people the opportunity to be empathetic and consider you know that humans are imperfect i think that we're more likely to be um considerate and um softer in our initial response to something if someone has built up goodwill versus someone who's almost giving you scandal fatigue or someone who's already on the nose for repeated poor behaviour. I mean, one of the ones that, um, you know, has been discussed at length by I think everybody would be, you know, the behaviour of NRL players. And we talked about, you know, do we bring that up in today's chat or not? Because is there a particular incident we want to point to? But there's this issue of an ongoing challenge around off-field behaviour and repeated um, issues around violence against women um, that re-emerge in the media again and again. And that, that can have a twofold of effect. One, there is scandal fatigue and people start to become almost desensitised to it. They compartmentalise it, push it to the side and just focus on the footy. Or two, I think I'm probably an example of this, a former massive fan of watching and following the football really closely. And I just reached a tipping point a number of years ago where I just couldn't invest my time to the degree that I always had in a game that repeatedly was unable to um, address those issues that were really important to me. So, yeah, to your point there, that's where the goodwill ran out for me. All of the great stuff they do in the community and the people that I knew in the game didn't make up for the bad. Um, and, and I think that that can happen in lots of different scenarios, not just in, in sporting examples. So, so does sporting fall under kind of functional? So forgiveness is subjective right so mm. it depends how deep the relationship I have with the person or the company or the association uh, you know if there's a, a hiccup or two if if the relationship is purely functional that is it gets the job done I'm probably more likely to overlook that hiccup so you're thinking from a government perspective versus a like a personal connection or when you say functional? Yeah, or maybe it's a product. Maybe it's mm. a product thing. Maybe it's a, um, you know, I don't know, that's maybe Sydney water where you, you drink water. Mm. It's a functional thing. Mm. But if Sydney water does, stuffs up, well, you know, I'm going to forgive you because, you still need to you know, I'm water. not in, particularly invested in you know, Sydney <laughs> water. Yeah, so I'm not particularly invested in yeah. Sydney water as a brand, but. Yeah, there's not the same emotion. Yeah, unless they're poisoning us, of course. Of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. Um, oh, emotional investment is so true, but um, I think it's interesting that we venture into that discussion around emotional investment, but also where a crisis can really accelerate is if it hits an emotional, like it strikes an emotional chord um, in the last week or so 
one of our um, parenting influencers that we work with who is well-known. Um, she's an ex-journalist. She's written a book, um, incredibly eloquent, funny, witty um, parenting influencer named Lauren Dubois became the um, subject of focus and um, ridicule and, in the end, death threat death and violent threats to her family over um, a blog and content that she had produced, some sponsored content she had produced, very tongue-in-cheek around um, what to wear to pick up and judgment of people depending on what they wear and anyone who follows. You're not talking, you're not talking about picking up blokes or chicks. You're talking oh, about sorry, school, school pick-up. Pick up. <laughs> Parenting <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I really should have clarified that. Yeah. Picking up one's children. <laughs> <laughs> not blokes at pickup. Um, yes. So I think that it's all about that frame of reference, right? And once something jumps outside of the intended audience and um, is curated and repurposed to look like something else, in this case, um, it was uh, published, published by the Daily Mail with sensationalist headlines around, you know, mummy um, blogger tells parents what to wear, um, rights a judgment list, etc. then you're starting to hit what you know are emotional territories for families, um, particularly mothers, judgment of how you parent, um, judgment of the, the way that you clothe yourself or your children and present yourself in society, etc., etc. Um, and then additional media outlets picked it up and people who um, have no interest or relationship with children of that age or um, parenting influencers or even Instagram because that's her major platform, all of a sudden were making comments and um, threat and, and started to create fake profiles and threaten this individual um, and her family and, and got really personal really quickly right down to I know where your children go to school, etc. cetera. Um, and it was just horrifying to see this response um, but it shows that when the narrative is um, taken so far away from an individual and out of context and to a different audience how quickly things can escalate um, and how emotive people can be in their response to something even though they may not they may not necessarily understand its original intent so uh, I for, for someone like her she has to then pull herself back from all of that and think, you know, do I continue to do what I do for a living um, as a writer and an influencer? And, and um, does she does she need to seek forgiveness? I, I it's really I don't think she does. I don't, she was taken out of context. Yeah, I think that the, 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 the three times removed audience that doesn't really understand her original intent and views it through the you know thrice curated version article that they may or may not have clicked on. They might think she needs to seek forgiveness, but I think her immediate audience is at the other end of the spectrum, feeling that the media outlets that that misrepresented her need to seek forgiveness. Um, so, yeah, the onus of where the forgiveness lies and where the apology needs to be is in the eye of the beholder a bit in that scenario. Um, and that idea of, like, does she need to apologise is an interesting um, thought because in the world of, you know, poor behaviour in 2020, there were some particular individuals that felt they had nothing to apologise for, right? There's some that have it as part of their identity and brand, such as a certain president that's um, facing an impeachment trial uh, tomorrow. So, or ex-president, I should say. Um, 
So when you come up against... I think they still, still consider the president, though, Fry. I know. They get that title he's, forever he's and he's president. impeached, right? Then yeah. does he lose the title? That would be interesting, actually, from a branding perspective. have to look into that. Footnotes. I guess for that one, and didn't he go on a pardon parade before he... Uh, he left office speaking of part of um, letting people apologize and, and be let off. I think he just, anyone with his surname, was that the first list? <laughs> yeah, actually he didn't, he didn't pardon his kids and he, and he didn't pardon Giuliani, which I thought was very, very interesting. But um, mm. um, so does that mean it's time to play? Francis, who would you pardon? All right, I'm going to ask you, okay? You ready? Okay. okay. <laughs> Collingwood Football Club or shall we say Eddie Maguire? Which one? Or are they one of the same? Interesting concept, yes. I think that um, at this point in history they are one in the same and I don't think that you can be pardoned for that. I think it's the most appropriate thing that he is he's calling it retiring from the position. I think it would be nice if he retired a little sooner to assist in the um, Collingwood seeking a pardon as a club. But right now, one in the same as a brand. No deal. No, no deal. deal. <laughs> okay. All right, another one for you. What about uh, Craig Kelly, mm. member, for, member of parliament, Craig Kelly? Been out, look, he's been out there telling us that, uh, you know, you don't need to have the vaccine, you're all a bunch of idiots. Well, Nicole, he's not my GP, uh, <laughs> as, as our famous, famously as our Prime Minister reassured us all and therefore it apparently didn't matter, but has since changed his tune um, after being hauled in and given a stern talking to. But, look, he's got form. He's got form. We're talking about the bank of goodwill. We're talking about the behaviour that comes before a crisis being as important as the response to the crisis itself. Mm. Um, and for me, it's it's the form. That means that I don't think it's appropriate for him to be pardoned for this misstep. It's totally okay to question. We're in a time of rapid change and it's totally okay to ask um, serious, considered and critical questions of the decisions we're making, but um, he has form on spreading misinformation and it's just incredibly dangerous. So eh, another fail from me. <laughs> Did you say eh? <laughs> eh. All right, what about, what about Twitter? Oh. This is one, I know, this is one I don't forgive. Mm. I'm just putting it out there. I do not forgive them. They let, uh, they gave Trump a platform for way too long. They gave Pete Evans a platform. Too little, yeah, too late. Too little, too late. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, that opens up Not a getting whole... a Christmas card for me this year. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> have to admit that um, both individually and as an agency we've chosen not to be active um, members of the Twitter community for over 12 months now, observers but not active members on purpose, um, a deliberate decision. And I think a lot of it has to do with, um, yeah, the inaction of that that platform in um, responding to the spreading of misinformation. That said, I think they were quicker to put labels on things than other social media platforms, but I don't think a label is, is, is enough. I think that... Um, I think the media more broadly has a lot to answer for in um, 
they all stopped uh, they all stopped that broadcast of him spreading all of those lies about the election when he was delivering that speech in the middle of um uh, his lawyers claims against the election result but i feel like they could have done that hundreds of times over the last four years stopped broadcasting based on misinformation so yeah, twitter absolutely. needs a serious look at itself yes that's another i'm yeah, not very have a bank today am i <laughs> no and i don't think twitter has a bank of goodwill behind it too it's a mm. cesspool of hate in that place yeah. Um, All right. Do you AM, want me to throw? Oh, you're going to keep throwing them at you. I, I'm going to keep throwing them at you. AMP. <laughs> AMP. I think that they're again. This is another organisation that um, continues to stuff up. And the interesting um, complexity of this one is that its behaviour, uh, individual behaviour, culture, and all the stuff that came up in the rule commission as well into financial services so they really have had you know scandal after scandal um so i think for that organization the only way forward is to really bring in an independent um you know independent outsiders and and look at a complete change management structure because there's obviously systemic issues within the organisation if they're going to continue to go down this route. And they can follow your six steps to a a good apology um, that that you've recently written about. But um, if it comes off the back of, you know, they haven't done the do then tell, then it's not going to be well received. I can think of one of Scandal after scandal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can think of one that I would forgive if we want to switch from, like, my constant um, rejections here. (laughs) I think that all of the um, challenges, controversy that has in the lead-up to and continuing now as the Australian Open has started around quarantine and tennis players and complaints and a little bit of um, diva behaviour from some of those um, tennis players, that one person to emerge from it with, um, you know, some new feathers in his cap is Nick Kyrgios, traditionally a villain or the villain of the Australian tennis circles. But where would you place him now? And I pardon him. I, par- I pardon him. So tell pardon. me why. Tell I me pardon why. him. I think he, he has, um, he's, he's redeemed himself. He, even in an interview that he gave last night, I think Djokovic was giving him a serve about, oh, serve, ha-ha, Djokovic <laughs> was giving him a serve about how he doesn't respect him off court. And and um, Kyrgios says, you know, what's there not to respect off court? I have a foundation. I, I deliver food to people that, um, that need it. I have conducted myself in... Um, a COVID safe way all through last year. I don't understand. He can say that he doesn't respect me on court, but off court, I don't. I don't understand that. So, no, Nick's. I think Nick's redeemed himself. I pardon him. Mm, mm. It's interesting to see how um, someone who you know would formerly have been in the camp of little forgiveness from most audiences has done a really good job of helping us to better understand who he is as a three-dimensional human being rather than a one-dimensional hothead on the tennis court. And all of a sudden there's a good bank of goodwill there and I would agree, definitely a pardon there and um, keep serving it up to Djokovic as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, while we're talking about tennis, mm. what about 
uh, Bernard Tomic's girlfriend <laughs> when she complained on Twitter that she has to wash her own hair while she was in hotel quarantine. Do we forgive? Do, do we pardon her? Look, I think we can see we can see you, Leah. So, Leah, we, in this podcast, we can see Leah, our producer, and she's shaking her head. No way, no way should we pardon her. I, what do you think, Fry? I think that it was not by accident that she talked about that. I think it's gotten so much airtime. So, from All right, so let's not give her anything. I ahead. think she's just getting more and more and more. I think it's not an accident. And look, she might have really fuzzy hair. I'm not, I mean, who's to judge? (laughs) Of course, it was a horribly privileged thing to say, but her job is to get, you know, get eyeballs on her and it achieved that job. So power to her. (laughs) All right. Well, there ends the game of who would you pardon and who would you not? Yay! Yeah, tell us. Tell us for 2020, who have you thought about, forgiven, changed your mind on? I'd love to get some feedback from our listeners on, yeah, where they've changed their mind on things and who deserves a pardon and who's staying in the cancel box. And if you would like us to pardon you, then put your case forward to us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You've been listening to the Impact Insights. I'm Nicole Webb and with me is Francis Dwyer. I'm Francis Um, Dwyer. You are Francis Way. Welcome to 2021. Um, so this this year we are going to introduce a few guest speakers to our podcast. So uh, stay tuned and we'll let you know a little bit more about that in the next podcast. But, um, again, stay safe and we look forward to um, you catching up with us. <laughs> Can you say that? <laughs> we look forward to you catching up with us uh, in the <laughs> next podcast in a couple of weeks. <laughs> See you Definitely. later. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>